I am Steph Reed. I am the director of the Flat River Community Library. I am Tiffany Oman, or Miss Tiffany. I do all of the programming for youth and teens. I'm Kristen Skinner. I'm doing adult programming, scheduling, and doing a lot of the craft stuff. My name is Paul Sisko, and I'm the executive director at the Greenville Area Chamber of Commerce. I'm Katrina Snyder, member of Sickness Administrator. Welcome to the Flat River Front Porch. Welcome to the first and a half podcast episode of Flat River Front Porch. I'm sitting down with, what's your name again? (laughs) At a moment where I'm like, literally, I'm like, oh, dear God, I'm going to suddenly forget one of my staff members' names. That's a good, that's a good sign. I am the very important staff member, Tiffany Oman or Miss Tiffany. Okay. You say that like you're the only. One of all. One of, yes. Okay. Yes. Of our very valued (laughs) employees. Yes. This is going downhill really quick. Yes, Tiffany Omen, our youth services and teen services librarian. A lot of people listening will hopefully know your name or at least know your face because you do all of our youth programming. Yes. And a million other things, too. So many things. What do you do? I do all of the programming for youth and teens from birth through graduating high school, and I also am in charge of all of the materials for those age groups. So I purchase everything that anyone could hopefully need or want, including our books, our puppets, and every other thing that you can check out from the library. And then when that section gets too full, you have to Oh yeah, then I have to weed stuff, which can be both satisfying and sometimes sad. Yes, it's like the most heartbreaking spring cleaning sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Yeah. Especially if I've read it. If I haven't read it, it's easier for me to be like, no biggie. <laughs> be sad. Yeah, it's it's really hard. I am a youth librarian from a former life as well. So I, and I definitely have a soft spot for the youth materials in a way that you never really do with the adult materials. It's not like you don't get attached to those books, but like the emotional connection you have with children's books it's just different yes it's true you get to a point where you just become so cynical i don't know about you but most of my favorite books that i read in the course of my lifetime it was in the first 25 years of my life it's harder for me to say that because i didn't really start reading that much until like sixth grade and even then i didn't necessarily read a lot i loved being read too but i didn't read independently that much until high school so yeah my high school stuff that's true that's Uh true but Some stuff I've read that's like middle grade, say, which is maybe library slash publisher speak for grades like four through seven, is stuff that I really appreciated as an adult and is some of my favorite stuff. For example, The Evolution of Calpurnia Tate or The War That Saved My Life. Obviously, those came out when I was fully (laughs) grown Mm -hmm. and they're still some of my favorite books. Yeah, The War That Saved My Life, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. I have to acknowledge that I have never read it. I love it. Historical fiction is something I struggle with. I don't, I can't really, I don't understand that. Yeah, I think it's like romance. Like it's you love it or you don't. And I read a lot of historical nonfiction, but historical fiction, I just, I'm just like, I can't relate to this. Unless it's very specifically historical fiction set in the 90s. Then I can relate. It's pretty specific. (laughs) I grew up in the 90s. Are you sure it's not just the writing style? Maybe you just got to find that perfect author that connects to you. Maybe. I, I guess I'm persnickety about that stuff. I don't know. So yeah, you do a lot for us. Probably more than one person should. And I don't say that in a bad way. It's that you've just got a lot on your plate. And at any given time when we catch up, on stuff that's going on, it seems your answer is always, I'm doing lots of programs or I'm planning for the programs for <laughs> yeah, next season. That's a big so, part of it. And it's a, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's great that we get to, that we get to offer as much as we do. And it's fun getting to play with the kids when you're, when you've got the energy to do it. It definitely mm-hmm. takes some energy. Totally. So. Since we are coming up on the holiday eating season here, I thought it would be fun to talk about our comfort foods and our comfort reads for Thanksgiving break and the actual Thanksgiving holiday. Do you have any Thanksgiving foods that are like your favorite Thanksgiving foods? I love food, so it is hard to narrow it down, but I definitely am a sweet potatoes kid and a- Marshmallows or no marshmallows? 
I like it both ways. Okay. Now I try. I've taken over sweet potato making duties for my oh, family, formerly okay. my grandma's duty, but I wanted her to do less, so I took it over. In the first year, I put like a crumble mix of pecans and like brown sugar on top, yeah. but there was some divisiveness because some people were very much like, "Where be the marshmallows?" <laughs> right. So now I do like half and half. <laughs> Like half marshmallows, half that other top. Okay. That sounds like it would be difficult to, because isn't it just like a crust on the top? Like yeah, a, you like just with a pie? sprinkle marshmallows on one side and you sprinkle the other stuff on the other side and then okay. you just brown you, them and then it's okay. No yeah. Okay. It's worked out. You've made it happen. I've changed it up every year too, because one year I had a mix of both things, <laughs> like just together. That sounds like <laughs> a lot. Okay. Yeah. This year I'm just doing marshmallows though. Go find out. I, you know what? If you can make something like that's very soft and very, it just, you don't have to chew it. It just happens. Mm-hmm. If you can add that extra crunchy texture to it, I, to that's me, that's true. like the ideal that's scenario. True. I'm going all mushy this year. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. That's why I don't like pumpkin pie. It's just, if I don't have to chew it, I'm very suspicious of it. There will be a point in my life where that's not true anymore when I don't have teeth or something. But like right now, I'm, I believe in texture. You don't, you're not a yogurt person unless there's like, no, perfect. I eat yogurt only under duress. Yeah. That's weird too. It's a bacterial process. There's just something, which is funny because I like cheese. I, mm-hmm. but that's a form of bacterial processing that I am in favor of. Yeast is in bread. Yeah. That's a good point. It's, it's all anything bad. fermented. <laughs> we eat a lot of bacteria. No, like not, no. I'm just, I'm creating boundaries that don't make any sense. And, we all have to do that from time to time. <laughs> Anything besides sweet potatoes? I um, also love the green bean casserole because my mom makes it from scratch now. So it's oh. and she gets these delicious variety of fresh mushrooms and it's just so good. Okay. How does she make the sauce then? I don't know. I don't make it. She just does okay. the magic. She like tweaked. She Because she used to just do straight up canned mm-hmm. mushroom soup, classic way. Nothing wrong with that. But then she just experimented with some different recipes from the internets and has her own thing of how to do it. I don't, but yeah, I don't know how the magic works. I just know the result is great. If you can sneak me some out of your, because I love green bean casseroles so much. I'm really curious. I'm too lazy. Generally, I think I'm a fairly adventurous cook, generally speaking. I didn't even learn to cook meat until I was in my 30s because I was a vegetarian for a very long time and meat is scary. Like in terms of cooking, it's scary. Sure. But when it comes to something that like ingrained in your soul, like green bean casserole, it's if I'm not taking multiple cans and just dumping them into a casserole dish, then it doesn't feel like green bean casserole. That's the thing with holiday foods too. They're so tied into your memories from yes, childhood. They're, so they're so cultural. Yes. And so even it's hard to it's harder to judge it even on a purely like how you would judge any other side to that so if it's different it, it, you might just not be able to enjoy it right this is going to be a weird connection to make but what that makes me think of is going to disney world because i grew up going to disney world a few times and i have this sort of like sense memory of what it was like to go to disney world when i was like 11 years old and i've gone a couple times as an adult and they keep changing it mm-hmm. which that's not acceptable. It should have stayed frozen in time in 1992 <laughs> and never changed. Yeah, like when they got rid of the King Kong ride and they got rid of, unless that was the a great, Universal ride. Uh, I think, yeah, that was Universal. But the great movie ride they got rid of. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was really, yes, I yes. love that one. They're they're changing Splash Mountain. And uh-huh. yeah, it's what is happening in the world today. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with more, but sometimes they get rid of stuff to make room for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There used to be this really creepy ride in the Norway Pavilion, Epcot, I called Trolls, it. and they mm-hmm. turned it into a Frozen ride. Of course they Which I love Frozen, don't get me wrong, but I also love creepy Disney yeah. rides. But yeah, so that's what Thanksgiving makes me think of, is just like these things, they leave their mark on you when you're a kid, and, and you go back to them from year to year to keep experiencing them. And Are you a turkey person? Yeah, I like turkey. It's not like the thing I'm most excited about, though. That's fair. Yeah. And I'm strict, not strictly. I will eat the white meat, but I prefer the dark meat. The As you should. Dark. It's infinitely better because turkeys are just pretty much always dry. Mm-hmm. That's the only part of it that's even remotely edible. I do this weird thing where I always buy a turkey before Thanksgiving. I don't host Thanksgiving, but turkey is really cheap around mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, and I'm a believer in eating cheap food. 
I will make a turkey like four days before Thanksgiving. And then by the time Thanksgiving gets around, my family is just like, why are we still eating turkey? And the funny thing is, I don't even like turkey that much. It's just cheap. It's better around Christmas when the hams are cheap because ham ham tastes better. And ham is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But. But yeah, turkey is mediocre at best. I, I, I recall having very good leftover turkey sandwiches with mayo, and that can be right. You even have to better than dump the liquids day. on it. Yeah, exactly. To make it salad. Certainly, mashed potatoes are amazing. You got that's just goes without saying. Yes, but they're again. It's just it's you can feel them in your soul. Does your family do anything unique for Thanksgiving food? I don't know. Unique. I think we have all the standard stuff. I think one thing that's always there that maybe not isn't always at Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, I have one. Okay. So my grandma's usually been the primary cooker and we've spread out to other people over time. But one thing that she makes, and this has got to be something from that originated decades ago, she makes these two different salads. And I don't know the name for either of them, but they're both jello based. One's right. an orange one that has like cottage cheese and mandarin oranges and it's fully orange colored. The other one is a green one. I think it's made with lime jello, and it's got, like, pineapple mixed in with the other mystery ingredients. <laughs> anyway, as a kid, I didn't touch either of them. Now right. I actually like both of them, and right. my sister's making them this year, and I'm looking forward to it. I wonder if it will taste the same. It, she's made, she's tried it in previous years, and it's been okay. good. Yeah. From that beautiful period in American history where salad could contain jello. Yes, the jello period. <laughs> when was that? Say, uh, like, on the same time that 60, microwaves 50, became 50, really popular. Okay. So, yeah, I think, like, 60s-ish, yeah. Salad should not contain marshmallows or jello. Or jello should not contain meat. Also, Julia Child. What I mean, that's an old thing. That goes back hundreds of years that you'd make aspics and stuff with yeah, meat, right? It doesn't make it less gross. I've I, never had it, so I, I can't judge. I probably would weirdly like it because I yeah. I maybe you just like things gelatinous. That I is just your read about preference. this Japanese dish that's an egg custard, which normally I've only had like sweet egg custards, but they oh. have a one that's served with like savory stuff and it's served oh. warm and it was like that sounds Great. Again, I feel like I'm reasonably food adventurous, but nothing you're talking about sounds remotely palatable. So I get, yeah, to each their own. How about not necessarily tied into Thanksgiving, but what are your comfort reads that just feel like a warm hug? One is one that I discovered within the last year that's tied to how I know about the Japanese dish with the savory custard. It's called Otherworldly Isekaya Nobu. We do not have it here at this library. I get it on Melone, but it is... Very chill. It's literally these two restaurant people, a chef and his waitress slash helper. They find this like secret doorway that leads to this alternate like history version of Germany that's like, I don't know the time period, I guess probably like 1700s-ish, but made up. And they serve all this Japanese cuisine to all these German folks and everyone just in every episode, it'll focus on a different type of cuisine like for each chapter. And then the patrons partake this is amazing. What is this? <laughs> the best thing ever. And there's just like lots of sizzling, snurping, and it's very like sensory and I find it very cozy and comforting. And it, the only downside is it makes me really wish that there was a Japanese restaurant that was more varied. I feel like our Japanese, when you look for sushi. Japanese, yes, it's sushi yeah. and maybe some ramen and that's all you got. And there's right. so much more. Then another one that I like that's also a manga is extremely laid back it's called laid back camp that we do have here i don't know if anyone else likes it because literally that nothing happens really familiar. nothing happens it's these girls and they go camping and you just see vi- like vistas of mount fuji and <laughs> again there's the food because it's usually at least in the first volumes it's like fall or winter so it's chill so you can see like the breath in the air and then they make some delicious like ramen or something like warm and comforting and so it's just another one where if i just want something I can just completely relax and envision being in a comfortable, cozy environment. Yeah, that's a great one to do that with. Otherwise, my go-tos for coziness is mysteries. They don't even have to be cozy mysteries. I just like when it's when fall hits and the colder weather comes in, I just really get the urge to delve back into some mysteries. And I've got series I follow, new stuff, whatever. What's your comfort reads? I have to say that I think it's really great that whether you did it on, on purpose or not, you managed to tie multiple comfort reads back to comfort food, uh-huh. too. So beautiful transition there. there Since I was a child, the might uh, drawing for me, I love the Redwall series because they describe the food. I right. love books that describe <laughs> the food. It's yeah, it goes back a long time for me. I can see why that would be very palatable, so to speak. 
that wasn't an, that was not an intentional pun i swear and the mystery thing makes sense too like i i won't dig into it too far because i don't want to put anybody off but weirdly one of my comfort reads cuz i'm really into history nonfiction like i said usually very specific history nonfiction is actually a really dark book called The Indifferent Stars Above that's about the Donner Party, mm. which I guess is weirdly about food in a way. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, it's because they were starving. Yeah. Like, they like all of their livestock and stuff disappeared. And it is a really dark story, but it is, it, like, part of what's so fascinating about it is just hearing about what homesteaders went through, the decisions they made, and how really, truly impossible it was to cross this big open space. There was nothing. Like, there was, if you had... If you happen to run into snow, you were out of luck. There was, yeah, and it's just really fascinating to think. I, I can't imagine coming from a modern day perspective, making the decision. I'm just going to cross this big piece of land that for hundreds of miles has no one and just hope I survive. Yeah, those kind of survivor stories are just fascinating. I think we share one of our comfort read sets, which is the fantastic comic series Giant Days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> No one else here seems to love it as much as we do. And by here, I mean in the United States. But it is a episodic series that was originally in individual comics, and then they compiled them about a three women in the UK going to college together and the crazy adventures that they get into. And it's just very absurd and very British. And I can't even describe it. It's just like soaking into this and it's hysterical. I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, I would totally agree. That's a comfort read for me. And if you like British set stuff or British humor, I think that you could get in that way too and find the cozy vibes that way too because part of why I like it is just being like, oh, we're in Sheffield. <laughs> and it's not dry British. It's not awkward no. British. It's just, it's it's absurd. Mm -hmm. And there's one, yeah, one, there's one goth character in mm -hmm. it who's just always getting into these weird goth situations. I was going to say something else, but now I can't. Oh, yeah. This is a weird one, too. The Crazy Rich Asian series. I don't know why. And it's I think that's I went through all of my comfort books too many times when I was younger. So I needed some stuff more recently. And that's one of those series that I started and I was like, I'm not going to enjoy this. It's about really insanely rich people in Singapore. And I, I also hate reality TV, too. That's just not my if that's your thing. That's awesome for you. But I just I can't do it. But what is about that series? I just get lost in it. <laughs> so interesting. I, I don't know what the book series is like. I've seen the movie. Was mm -hmm. that a good adaptation? Feel wise, does it's it a, feel like that? A little bit, yeah. Part of the detail is really fabulous mm -hmm. in it, and there's a lot of characters with a lot of subplots, and that's fun. There's also just like the weird voyeuristic. What must it be like to have just insane amounts of money? What is what does somebody's life look like if they? They go everywhere in private jets. And I don't care about clothes, but there's just something about, oh, couture. I fly to Paris every year to pick my collection from the runways. It's just one of those looking from the outside kind of things. So now I am definitely wanting to both eat a lot of food and curl up with a book, hopefully simultaneously, um, or maybe read a book that has food in it because, I mean, that's kind of where this conversation went. And I love it. It's perfect for Thanksgiving. Um, so Tiffany is unfortunately not going to be able to join us for the last part of this episode, but we will be joined by our adult services counterpart of Tiffany, and that is Kristen. So she'll be on a little later in the episode. But now we are going to return to the exciting conclusion of our interview with Paul Sisko and Katrina Snyder from the Greenville Area Chamber of Commerce. And we're back with Paul Sisko and Katrina Snyder. I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about what COG is, because I oh. feel like a lot of people are unfamiliar with it mm -hmm. as a concept. It's not really an organization. It's more like a, I'll let you explain it. Yeah. So COG stands for commit to one. <laughs> Coalition of Greater Greenville. And that's a fun little acronym. But really what that is, is just a diverse group of people in different types of business from insurance, real estate bankers, you name it. Um, Government, nonprofits. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. We all get together and it's just an hour during a lunchtime once a month, September through May. And we have a guest speaker. Typically, we might be having a really dynamic guest speaker in November from our beloved library. Quit trying um, to butter me up. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's a way for a business to highlight something specific that's important to them or who they are or what they do. And then we take time for a roundtable discussion where everybody in the room gets a chance to share who they are and basically what they do in less than 60 seconds. So it's 
It can be quite a marathon at the end and trying to keep people moving, but it's a great opportunity then to, oh, I need to check. I need, I need an insurance person. What they said was really something I'm looking for. And so afterwards, then they get to go and talk to that person and maybe they made a connection for the future. But really, it's just a, it's a way for us to collaborate together, to network a little bit, to learn something that we didn't know. And yeah, just spend some time getting to know other people. Yeah, I, I have been so grateful for those events. They, they have allowed us to make connections and to develop relationships that we would never yeah. have made otherwise. The job fair that we did in April and that we will be doing again in this upcoming April because it was such a great success and we had such great feedback from it. That would not have happened if it weren't for the fact that a handful of us just started talking yeah. about something that we could all benefit from at the end of one of those meetings. And it's just this beautiful thing that just blossoms and these fantastic relationships come out of it. And I am, yeah, I'm just so grateful that you all do it. And I hope that it continues to grow. It seems like it has been really yeah. growing quite a bit in recent months. And I hope more people can take advantage of it. Cause... For sure. It's just a great spot. And a lot of our newer Chamber members have found that to be just a great source of connection and getting mm -hmm. a regular source of connection and just meeting other people and becoming, I always say you become known and you're knowing other people. Like that's, it's like a more intimate setting where you get to meet other people mm -hmm. that, yeah, you're just not running into. They're not walking into your brick and mortar if you have brick and mortar. Right. You're not just trying to seek somebody out. You're actually able to put a name of the face and uh, make those connections. And yeah, know what love, they're doing too, yeah, because you don't necessarily sure. know. Like I, one of the big connection points for us has been the Mid-Michigan Health Department, and I've given them a little bit of grief about this. They do really phenomenal, great programs there, but they are not good at marketing themselves. <laughs> they, like many government organizations, they do good work, but they don't necessarily know how to get the word out. Yeah. And so that's been a great opportunity for us to get to know what they're doing and to try to to bring some of those services directly to people who would never walk into the health department office. We've been right. distributing first aid kits for free and safe cannabis and pharmaceutical bags that are locking bags that, for free to our patrons. It's because amazing. this is something, this is a program that they put together and we get to take credit for yeah. by accident. Of course, we give them credit, but like, of course, they, but you're the conduit. But it did not, it had not occurred to them that we were a means by which that could be accomplished. They, in fact, he was extremely like skeptical when I first approached him. And now like several libraries in the area are doing it because they're like, oh, we can work with libraries well, to yeah. do this. And it's, yeah. Because you're such a community resource. Right. I, don't, I feel like some people don't really think about that. Yeah. But it's, it's just books. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're only books. You only have knowledge here. <laughs> but you have more than that. You have more community aspects to provide for people than just informational yeah, we don't just that informational just stuff. Information. Yeah, we don't even have elevator speeches anymore because the, the list is too long. Hey, <laughs> did you know you could get flu shots at the library? <laughs> did you know you could get things notarized right, at the library? Yeah. yeah, we just do the weirdest, most random fun stuff. So, yeah. And you can do it while jumping around in soap foam. If you want to get <laughs> stuff notarized while dream, you're doing that. I'm going to find a way to work this into our regular, regular stuff. I'm big on sensory stuff. So anytime that I can find something that you can stick your fingers in mm. and just, oh, that's the dream. Yeah. Okay. So that there we go. That's what I'm going to charge you guys with is to make them the community more sensory active and sensory friendly. Okay. Just put like fidget, fidget boards all over the, like the walls around that town. That works. Yeah. I'll give you a really confident, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Okay. I'll take it. What is your... Dream library collaboration project. Who would you love to see us partner with and do something really cool with? And it doesn't even have to be like practical. You can come up with something totally ridiculous. I was say, is this the sky's the limit? Or yeah, is this absolutely. Write notes it. down to see have what fun your with checklist it. is. Hey, like. We're strategic planning right now, so this is the time to come up, come to us with the crazy ideas. I think this was a tough one for me. Yeah. Okay. I think this is the hardest question. I don't know why. I think it might be because you're not immersed in the library. <laughs> it could be. I imagine like your outdoor space, like a large concert venue set up. Okay. But I don't know if that's fitting. I don't really know to what degree because you guys, and I wouldn't just say this because you're interviewing me right now, 
But you guys do a lot of awesome stuff already. Like you're doing right. stuff all the time. And we try to. Think. It's amazing. It's an incredible resource. And I'm thinking, I, how much more capacity do you have? No. Are you going to be like, are you going to be able to put on that large concert that I have in my mind? Or no, <laughs> we don't have. I don't think we have the means to to cr- put up a banjo as much as I would love to. And that that we just need to knock down some houses is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, we do run up against the fact that we we have a beautiful building and we we have very pleasant space. I've definitely worked at libraries with a lot less of a footprint, so I'm grateful for that. But I there there are times when I wish we could. I want to do like MCC and have like nature trails. Oh, that would be so okay. cool. And you turned this on me. You turned we, it on. Yeah. It's very sneaky. I feel you. the same way though. As people who plan events, we know all of the effort that it takes to put your heart and soul into something. And you've got like this long, you've got a list that's 10 times what our list mm-hmm. is. So to think of like, what well, more would you do is all... You all do big events, though. Yours are involve a lot of pieces and a lot of planning and a lot of people. And ours are a little bit more. Hey, we're shooting soap foam onto our backyard. Go play in it. That's pretty That's straightforward. What we need to do next. I don't think anybody would say no to that. Like that was one of our big. We have 400 people at that program because who oh. doesn't want to swim through soap foam? And yeah, that it's just really nice to be able to just provide those fun silly experiences we are getting more and more adults who are like the kids get to do all this fun fun ridiculous stuff when do we get to do this stuff <laughs> we're all kind of kids at heart a little bit i don't, I don't feel like either of you answered my but... <laughs> question i'll give you a pass if you can tell me what collaboration that you all would really like to do like what cool thing would like if you had no limitation to your budget, like what is the cool like big event or something like that that you would love to accomplish? Hit us with a harder question. Why don't you? <laughs> hey, you, you know, know what? what? This is what you get for not answering the questions that I gave you two weeks in advance. So fair enough. I'm gonna just take a an easy way out and just say we do a lot of collaboration <laughs> that and we love that's we do love that. Yeah. I think with everything we're doing, we take another look at it afterward and we mm-hmm. decide okay what else how, how could we involve more people how could we do this differently who's a natural who's has the same mindset as us and is looking to benefit this or that one of the one of the big things i think of is our party on lafayette so basically a pure community event this isn't a chamber fundraiser it's a it's meant to just be something fun in the summer and this it involves a car show and a pizza contest and we those are the main items. And we had one of our pizza uh, restaurants this year just donate all of their proceeds from all the sales that they made. And they actually doubled it. So whatever they matched, whatever they sold that during the event. And so that's got us thinking about those community-focused events of how can these events be ones that give back mm-hmm. uh, in some You should way, give credit to the organization. Hot if Pog. Yeah, okay. Hot Pog Backyard Brew Pub. And also Flo's restaurant, they had a contest to decorate pizza boxes and they gave away a scholarship to the winner and people had to go there and vote. And then they, whoever got the most votes, they got a nice check. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first, David at Harvey at Hop Hog was the first one to suggest we, could we make this more of a give back in some way? And we've always donated proceeds from like the car registrations and things we've donated like to I'm kids third meal and some other places but this was a he was encouraging us to amp that up and what could we do now that we've drawn this new line of where this event is like how can we amp that up next time and so we're going to ask all of our all of our vendors to participate in that somehow in the next year we've got some ideas on how to do that and it might not be this big extravagant thing but we're always looking for how can we keep in, improving we work a lot with the Danish festival. We work with the community center folks. There's a number of groups that we tend that we've found for some of these community events that have been great partners in that. And like specifically for Christmas and our expo and party on Lafayette and using that corner lot, Tivoli Square has been huge for us. And so just finding ways to keep doing that because we never are satisfied with what we've done last time. Like we always want to be improving. And that's not just a bottom line thing. That's impact. Mm -hmm. That's utilizing that corner lot last Friday to invite businesses that aren't located downtown that Mm -hmm. wanted to be downtown. And we had probably 20 different businesses come down that have never participated before. And to be able to 
continue to increase participation and again, opportunity. And I think that's really big for us. So I don't know if that really, I might've dodged your question still. I mean, it's valid though. Well, I think it's a valid dodge. You get yeah. you again, I'll give you a pass. And, and I will tell you, we do have to regularly hold back <laughs> new big ideas because right. we just, yep. we aren't, we just don't have that capacity right, right. now. But we also have been challenged with what's the next season, what's uh -huh. the next move mm -hmm. uh, in the future. So that's something we are actively thinking about. Both of us are forward thinkers, too. Uh -huh. Like We constantly think about how to either make something better or how to take it further with what we have and not necessarily just Get tax, into a tax ourselves to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, We try to really mitigate what we can do as two people, uh -huh. but at the same time thinking about where we can take this in the future and how we can expand it, even if you know, maybe we have to bring on a third person to this party. I just, as far as that goes, the sky's the limit. We can think about that all day long. Yeah, I think that you all probably suffer from the same syndromes that we tend to, which is like trying to find that line between, ooh, what can we do? And no, oh, I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fine line. Because there's you so would, many yep. good things. There's so many exciting and fun things that you can always add. There's always right, ways yes. to add. Mm -hmm. And the hard, I think it's much harder to do something really well, mm -hmm. even if it's simpler, starting from that space. So with every new event we've done since we've been here, we start at this like simple, let's pair this back to what is our purpose, right? Yeah. right? So the basics. Then we can add to it. And, and then that feels like progress, but it's <laughs> us adding and it's us being able to, all right, this is what we can do more now. But you don't know that until you pair something back to your main focus and some of those things you don't realize till you're in it you know true and, yeah and you get that perspective of oh we should do it this way next right. time you don't mm -hmm. get that until you've gone true. through the experience yeah. of it there's no teacher like experience we use that <laughs> wow that was a great quote you're yeah, welcome i like it that's yeah. a that katrina down. snyder quote you can put that <laughs> on your desk okay all right that will be the that will be the tagline for it definitely yeah, that's sometimes, especially when with staff who are a little bit newer to doing programs for the library, that like it's happened that people have gotten really discouraged because we haven't had a much of a turnout for something or like it didn't turn out exactly the, the way that they wanted it to. But the at the same time, there it's you do you pick something up for it from it, and even if it's just okay, well, no one was interested in this. Okay, that's valuable information. Or maybe people were really interested in it, but we did the program at a goofy time. Yeah, timing is everything. Yeah, <laughs> don't do it exactly when everybody gets out of work because people don't want to do it then. There's no skirting this one. Oh, you have no. to answer it. Ready, and I will rewrite it a little bit because since we're talking to both of you. How would you react if you found a book in the library titled The Secret Life of Paul Sisko? Oops. Or The Secret Life of uh, Katrina Slater? Wait, have I found one that's titled with my name or have yes. I found Paul's your, one? Your name. <laughs> your name. They're right next to each other. They oh got cataloged gosh. together. Dang. Somebody wrote a two-part series. <laughs> Part of me Where's would the be, cliffhanger? Which yeah. one? Where? Part of me would be very curious. What don't I know? myself right yeah. who is and it then, a secret to yeah and then i'd <laughs> be like know? how many copies of this are there because i might just go destroy it i don't know yeah it's that's a really interesting now if you're asking what would you find inside the book that i'm going to just plead the fifth secret if you were just like <laughs> yeah i'll tell you what's in my secret <laughs> life book uh, mine would probably be boring no just kidding mine would be full of hilarity and quips and i don't know hijinks probably <laughs> is this your life or a scooby-doo cartoon both yes <laughs> i would i think i would be most interested in seeing who wrote like the introduction or right. the forward portion and how cool of a dust cover it had oh yeah the very good judge person. of books by their cover yeah. so <laughs> this cover better be legit who do you think would write your forward that's a tough one. A couple of years ago, I read The Bassoon King by Rain Wilson, who huh. played Dwight Schrute, and right. he actually wrote his own forward. I have a forward. Dwight right behind you. Okay. Yep. Next to Do Not Drink the Coffee, <laughs> Cordially Future Dwight. But he actually wrote the forward for his own book as Dwight Schrute, and it's oh, pretty, pretty okay. amazing. So I don't have an alter ego like that. I was going to say, okay. Yeah, I think I would want Harrison Ford or possibly <laughs> such an expert. Possibly Chuck Norris, because Lord knows I have 
used a lot of mileage of Chuck Norris jokes in my okay. day. Okay. <laughs> and nobody knows you better in your Obviously. secret life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's yeah. not the direction I thought you were going to go with that. Yeah. I was expecting you to pick some like sentimental person who was like really <laughs> like instrumental in forming you as a person. No, and it's like, got to no. be an action hero. Okay. Popular oh, no. in the 80s. What? Yes. Very era specific. <laughs> How about you, Katrina? I don't know who it would be, but I would hope it would be my daughter because okay. she thinks I'm amazing. And she has to write it right now. She would probably say that I'm the best dancer in the world, Aww. which is false. She does <laughs> not know what she's talking about, but that's okay. That's okay. So you have one daughter that thinks you're amazing? Yep. Okay. Out of the two. <laughs> Just kidding. They both think I'm amazing. One <laughs> thinks I'm a good dancer. The other one is more accurate in reality. Right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she still dances with me, though. There's value to both. <laughs> there are. Yes. So keep one keeps you grounded, and the other one lets you float away a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's yeah. that's perfect. She, I this is unrelated to the question, but I told her some information about what we were going to do with our day yesterday, and she goes, "Excuse me, what?" <laughs> I was like, oh, "Excuse me, what?" <laughs> yeah, she's a she puts you in your place. <laughs> some kind of sad. All right, it'll be nice to see how that plays out as it gets. As it grows. It will be a book someday, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Yes. The secret life of, there we go. of mom. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. You got sent to the library principal's office. What are you there for? It wasn't me. I didn't do it. <laughs> Whatever Likely it is. for me. You got to know what it is before oh, you plead, okay. like, plead it. I have a perfect answer okay. to this. Okay. And it fits me first, perfectly. Then. Regardless of genre. Regardless of author, I probably rearranged all of the books in alphabetical order by title. And I also... That sounds awful. I Why would, would you do that? I would I'm going to have to edit out that noise I just made, but here, like the visceral yeah. feeling I have from that. If the title starts with the word the, also that would be at the end, like comma, the. So it would be whatever the first main word is. That's how I would alphabetize. So chaos. Well, I think tech, that's that, why they sent that me to the is, office. I think that is actually a component of what you're supposed to do but no <laughs> you do not My what if you works. are a huge fan god forbid of james patterson and you want all of the james patterson books yeah they, it would just be everywhere you would Apparently. never find them <laughs> people don't pick books but, okay all right i'm gonna let this go all right i would the you library, worry, the library principal the library principal thing was a joke because i'm like that's not a thing anymore let the, I guess not that it ever was. Like the, the, the judgy librarian is not a thing anymore, but I just, you just activated something in me. I'm sorry. I have to breathe it out after this. Okay. Yeah, go for some stretches or something. <laughs> what did you actually do, Katrina? What did I color? What did I actually what did you do? Act this is probably really close to reality. I am okay. notorious for keeping my books way too long. Okay. Way too long. What constitutes way too long? I don't know. Years? Months at least. Okay. Like, probably, I kept a book for six months one time. Okay. That was back when there were fine. <laughs> that okay. was very yeah. expensive. But it was a really good book, so it was worth it. Okay. I was going to say, auto renewal is a beautiful thing. But this if you're talking months, like six months, that's, that, yeah, yeah that's prob that probably could be taken to the principal's office for that. Yes. The library principal for that. But then I am, like, the most empathetic library principal <laughs> ever. And I'm, if you just, if it you seem back. sad about it, I'm, I'll just be like, no, it's Okay. I really love this okay. book. My kids are the same way. They love their book. Like, we come and get right. books from the library, and then in three weeks, I'm like, okay, it's time to go take them back. And they're like, I, I haven't read it enough yet. And I'm like, what? Uh -huh. You've had it for three weeks. Uh -huh. I haven't read it. I'm like, you read it every night this week, but okay. I haven't read it. But fully immersed yourself in it. There were, I remember when my oldest was like maybe toddler age, there were books we had to sneak back out of the house yep. because if he thought we were taking them back, we like he would be devastated. Yeah, I feel mean that. parents. We have lots of books in our house that are, we bought. There are right. Okay, you bought them. We bought them. We talk about the old Midwestern accent quite often. Yeah, I'm not from the Midwest, and so where are you from? I'm from Oregon originally. Okay. So y'all she's have starting to fit in. Don't you mean Oregon? I do not, and <laughs> I have to walk out now. Bye. <laughs> I, feel, I, needed, I needed to pass on the triggering there. But she is assimilating to the accent quite I nicely. Have, yeah, it, it comes out occasionally. Is but there an Oregon accent? No. no you guys have the accent. I don't no, have I get an that, accent. But I, I don't well, know. We, so our consonants are very soft. I've been okay. accused of being a fast talker, which I don't think I am. Okay. But I don't know. I guess when, you're, when you say Oregon, like 
your consonants are very soft right. instead of Oregon. Here's an example. Yeah, go for it. Okay. You would say content. It's more of a Why do I sound on British? Content. It's it's content. different. And in, in Michigan it's content. See? She content. Knows. <laughs> yeah. It's more it's I'm like over pronouncing it. But it, that's the difference. It is it sounds is very different. Yeah. I catch myself periodically telling my children, go get in the car. Oh it's okay. Not car, it's car. It's a car. So that's the Midwestern is what you're saying. Is the, okay. Yeah, your A's are like oh, in the E's yeah. and the O's. All of the vowels are just E times seven. <laughs> it's very wide. And then if I tell the, the girls to go get the dog from the mm-hmm. yard and Noel will go, Mom, I need to go get the dog. It's not dog. It's a dog. It's very difficult. It's a difficult time. I feel like. They're Midwest children. They don't. And so now I hear it more strong. Like I hear it in everyday conversation, conversation. and on the news. I'm picking it up more because she calls it out so often. I really don't. It just is funny. No, you do. Do I? When I moved to Colorado, I got called out for that a lot. I like. I don't think I sound like that. You, I really hope you I don't. Have, you don't have but, a heavy accent. You probably but, hate it. There are variations. There are. Definitely. Yeah, there you are. know that definitely makes sense. But yeah. Yep. I got told by people like, oh, you are clearly not from here. If we're in Colorado. Nobody's from here. No, that's true. <laughs> we're all that's from California true. or someplace else. <laughs> Nobody grew up here. All right. Last one. And I'm going to call this the moment of truth. Oh, boy. This is the moment of truth. I'm nervous. If you had to wear one outfit from any historical era every day, which, would you, which era would you choose? Counter question. What counts as a historical era? Are you talking late 1900s as a hor- historical era? Let's say pre-year 2000. Anything okay. before that. Wow. Well, I might just be dressing like that tomorrow for Halloween. Wow. Blew your surprise. I did. Okay. But to I secretly... So I you realize always... that by the time this is edited, it, Halloween will be long past. And it won't be a secret. That's true. Seriously, I'm drawn to, like, for some reason, the revolutionary, like, 17, <laughs> whatever, like, the short pants. Like the colonial? And the tossed all That's the word. You want the wig with the ponytail <laughs> and everything? Maybe. But I don't they know. They had really bad teeth I, back then. They did. Yeah. They did. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very fancy. And I I would have guessed say, that about you. Yeah. I feel like lots of people think that about me. <laughs> I've said for years that I need more reasons to go to balls and wear ball gowns. Oh, yeah. So I feel like I would do very well in the, I don't know, ball gown renaissance era. They're heavy. They're they are. Heavy. And at, while I say that, my brain is like, if you put a corset on at all for any reason, we're just leaving town. Yeah. Breathing wasn't as big back then. Like yeah. it wasn't the end thing to do. Yeah. And I like <laughs> my lungs, quite frankly. Oh, yeah. Part and of me wrist, don't yeah. yeah. My part of me is like, don't choose that era at all. So if the nineties were pretty sweet, so I can't can't go wrong there. Yeah, absolutely. Much more comfortable though. AKA the late nineteen hundreds. Sorry. <laughs> I've made that noise too many times in this conversation. Are you glad you had us here today? I am. I absolutely <laughs> am. I really am. No, my, my wedding dress. I was never going to be in a normal wedding dress because I'm weird. I love but, it. So our wedding was like Old West themed. Cool. So we played a little fast and loose with it, but I just really wanted like a hoop skirt. That was that. So I got like the crinoline, like the frame, and I, I had this giant skirt that I wore with my dress. And you know what? After, after a couple of hours in it, I was really glad that I had a reception dress. <laughs> And I literally had what felt like an eight-year-old tantrum because I was like, oh, I need to get out of this dress. I can't take it anymore. And it was time to cut the cake. And my mother was like, no, we have to take pictures of you cutting the cake when you're still in your regular dress. And I'm like, come on, mom. Just let me get out of my dress. But I stayed in it for the pictures, which she was right. They looked better. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, like I, that was my, I was good yeah. after that. And then they you're are glad you don't heavy. have to do that every day then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like pants. I like pockets. Mm-hmm. No doubt. But I don't have a dress pockets and wearing it. Yeah. But even dre- pockets in dresses, they're still not quite what they need to be. It's true. You need a nice square pocket that your phone fits into and yeah. it doesn't make it look like you have some weird appendage yeah. attached. Yeah. You're, you're on it. I'm yeah. tracking. <laughs> yeah. 
picking up what you're putting and down. You yeah. need to have pockets that are more than two inches deep. You need yes, so you can't is... fit your whole hand in there. That's not a pocket. Right. Who is making these jeans for women and what do they think we're carrying around? I yeah, I don't chapstick. know. Chapstick. Just chapstick. One and never more than one tube. But that's all you can fit. Yeah, you're certainly yeah. not carrying chapstick for all of your extended family members either. There's nothing okay. that you're carrying extra for people, I'm sure. Yes. You use your pocket. So this chapstick? is the problem. Is that what I'm Yep. You know what? I've got mine on me right now. Where's your purse or your satchel or satchel like crossbody fanny pack, whatever those are called. Don't you have bags? Where's your bags? saddlebag? Where's your, your saddlebag? Like you just like flop up and you and you bring out. Yeah, yeah. see, they had those in the revolutionary times. They did. And yeah, you, you so had you a miss, horse. You the this. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's try to wrap this up. As always, I did mean it sincerely back at the beginning, but I always do enjoy talking to you all. And I'm grateful for everything that you all do. And I'm, clearly, I'm still learning what you do. Thank you again for coming in. And you guys are awesome. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. Take care. Okay, I am so grateful once again for Paul and Katrina coming in and sitting down with me and using so much of their day to sit down with me. I feel like every time I go and talk to them, I end up distracting them for a really long time. And even when I go to the chamber with a purpose, I always get a lot of chit chat out of it, which I feel bad being paid for. But I also I'm really grateful because they're always they're both just fantastic. So I'm changing it up a little bit here. I started this episode with with Tiffany Omen, our youth services librarian, but through a variety of workplace chaos that always it happens. We're all familiar with it. We're shifting in our last segment here to the person who is doing a lot of our program on the other side of the spectrum. Hi, I'm Kristen Skinner. I'm doing a lot of what stuff said, adult programming, scheduling and doing a lot of the craft stuff because that's what I like to do. Kristen did not apply here with the life goal, with the, the profound calling to become a library staff person. She, like so many of us, not me, I 100% drove down this road, but like a lot of the, our staff, they came from a different background and they brought different experiences and a different path that led to us. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of how you got here? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually was a page for just a few months after graduating with our history degree from the Grand Valley. I live in like Lakeview area, so they're my home library, but I work here. But I, I what, it was a page here for a few months before moving out to the Washington, D.C. area where I attended um, a program that no longer is available, but it's in the history of decorative arts. I've always been interested in crafting and making, and I specifically studied quilt history, and I was really interested in the techniques and obviously leading into knitting and crocheting, which I learned to knit while I was in graduate school. So that helped a lot with anxiety. And I was like, oh, you don't just have to knit blankets and things. <laughs> There's it doesn't all have to be in a rectangle shape. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> which like led me to so many other things. And then eventually crochet, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, so I, I had the goal of wanting to work in museums, specifically in the collections. But as I was studying, I was finding out more and more that I liked I liked participating. I liked teaching people how to do things. Uh-huh. I knew like when I went to museums, I was like, okay, I'm going to keep an open mind. I don't know if curation is for me. But I had a couple of different jobs in different areas around the uh, D.C. area. And then I decided I needed to be closer to home. So I moved to the Detroit area, working at the Edsel and Eleanor Ford House. And that was a great experience. I learned a lot. But it also wasn't quite the fit I wanted. I still wanted that hands-on, which I did get with the collection, but I also was missing family. And then that's when COVID happened. So being three hours-ish away was hard during that time. And we right. we worked from home a bit and I just I moved back I, home to this area because I want to be away from family and my mom. And I wanted to find something related. And I had used, obviously, libraries extensively through my graduate and undergraduate careers and I was like hey I will look at library again here we are (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that you have clearly had a sort of wiggly path that has has hit a couple of points along the way when you submitted your application originally one of the things that first things that popped out to me was the work with the White House historical stuff yeah 
That was that was a great job that I had when I was out there. I started when I was still finishing up my degree. And I was able to be not only study like the history and sometimes artifacts, but also get involved in book publishing, which I knew nothing about and learned a lot and about a lot of, of design and editing. And I was like, this kind of like Mary. So I had it in the back of my mind too, that publishing was somewhat adjacent to maybe <laughs> to museum work, but then obviously libraries. But yeah, working at the White House Historical Association, I got to obviously work on a lot of great history books, but I also got to do research. I did some research on Betty Ford, the first lady in her clothing, which was very 70s. And it was really cool to go to the Gerald R. Ford Museum, come back home in Grand Rapids to go there to study some of the archives that they have. And so I got to use my writing skills, my history and hands-on skills. So that was really cool. And I learned a lot about, yeah, just the process of editing and also a lot of respect for authors because it's very hard. Right. Yeah. yeah. I feel like those of us who have had the the privilege to be able to jump around like that, it it's life changing to yeah. have that advantage. And not everybody gets that. And it's unfortunate. But to be able to not just settle into one groove mm-hmm. and, and drive down one path as to what um, your focus is. And I think, again, that's one thing that comes up a lot for people who end up in libraries, too, because we we tend to be people who get excited about trying mm-hmm. something new. And none of us come into this being like, I am going to make so much money doing this. Yes. <laughs> How long were you in D.C.? It was at least five years-ish. Okay. So, yeah, I was finishing up the my graduate program. Then I hung around there for a little while before deciding I needed to be closer to home as an only child and yeah, I just was missing family. I have a lot of great friends and great opportunities out in D.C., but yeah, I, I wanted to move back home to Michigan where there are other opportunities and friends and family. Um, how do you feel like you experience this area differently having spent years living elsewhere? Yeah. Because you grew up around here, right? Uh, yes. So I went to a few schools and we went to Greenville a lot for like our shopping uh-huh. and stuff. But yeah, moving back here was interesting because it made me appreciate like, I love the cities and all of the opportunities, but there's something just hometown feeling about uh-huh. moving to a smaller area. And also, the people here are really great. There's diversity. There's, like, all ideas. It's a really great community to move back to. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's great when you can make a decision like that and it feels like an actual positive decision. Because mm-hmm. um, some sometimes moving back home is not something that you do, <laughs> that you yeah. do because you're enthusiastic <laughs> about doing that. And my experience was not far off from that, that I grew up not in Montcalm County, but I grew up in the Lowell area mm-hmm. and I went to central Michigan for my undergrad. And I just I felt like I needed a change after that. And I like my mid-20s self was very cynical about Michigan in general. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, oh, I'm so sick of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And it felt so homogenous to me. But then I, I moved to Colorado for about 10 years. That's where I met my husband. And that's where I went to graduate school twice. <laughs> and I worked in, in the software industry for a long time. But And I really love the Denver area. It's, it's There's a lot to really appreciate about that. And it's very mm-hmm. Colorado-y in, a very, mm-hmm. in its own unique way. <laughs> but we decided to move back to this area very purposefully. And I feel like I had a really newfound sense of appreciation for the space that I grew up in Mm -hmm. after that experience. And I felt like I could see a lot better that diversity that that you mentioned that like it didn't it didn't feel diverse to me at the time, because when you're younger, I feel like what constitutes diversity in your head is very different. And if you're surrounded by other other people who are young and probably stupid that, yeah, you, you might experience a decent amount of toxicity or just just be cynical because so many of us are when we're young. Yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of that cynicism worked its way out of me as I got older. And mm-hmm. I just I am that much more appreciative of this area. And I'm really appreciative of this area, specifically mm-hmm. the Greenville area, because I didn't expect to land here specifically like it was I was near us but not close enough that I knew it well and this is a really great community Mm -hmm. um we live in building to be fair (laughs) full disclosure on that we live in building but it's I'm just really grateful for the people in this area and I feel Mm -hmm. and we to brag because it significantly predates me, but we have an awesome library too. Mm -hmm. And we're growing. And yeah, so we're in a good space, I think. So we're going to pretend that this is an organic segue here. But (laughs) so one of the segments to start a conversation was the idea that has been swimming around a lot on the internet in particular in recent years that is 
usually enforced by someone who has absolutely no experience with libraries, has not been in a library in the last two decades. And from that external vantage point is making the argument that libraries are dead. We should probably just give all of our money to Amazon and just (laughs) all have that be our means of getting books because libraries are only books, right? But yeah, I think enough people at this point know that's not accurate. (laughs) The libraries are not dead. And no matter how many times you say that and ask that question, it's going to continue to be true that not only are we not dead, we are actually growing in people who use libraries. And it's not just us, it's nationwide. So libraries are not dead. In the spirit of that, I liked the idea of shining a light on other things in our culture, our world, that have been suggested that they might be dead and obsolete and no longer a part of our culture, but are really still out there and still a lot of fun and have made super cool comebacks in some cases. (laughs) And that spirit and tying in with stuff you were already talking about, what is your libraries aren't dead? Or rather, this other thing is not dead. Yeah. (laughs) It's related to libraries, especially since we're... Because everything is. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We did, yeah, last time Cassie and I did six degrees of separation from libraries, and and it's it's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, crochet is not dead. It absolutely (laughs) isn't. You're right. I remember growing up, and I loved them. My mom made afghans, but she also made all these other things, like Barbie dresses and Mm -hmm. fun things. And it's just, but it was still, like, limited what I thought crochet could be. But then, again, during the pandemic, I and my mom crocheted, I and she got into this thing called amigurumi, which is, like, huge, and it's these cute, it can be cute, can be spooky, whatever you want to do, like, uh-huh. big or small, like, creations, creatures, and it's, like, the it's a Japanese word for, for amigurumi is a Japanese word for just knitted or crocheted a little thing, and, uh, yeah, she got into it, and then during pan- the pandemic, I asked her if she could teach me to crochet. So, which is perfect timing. Yeah. And probably much better for your body than doing tons yeah. of cooking, which is what I yeah. did. And <laughs> eating lots of like bread. 20 yeah. pounds. So good for you. I still did that, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Snacking while crocheting. But yeah, my first thing I crocheted was baby Yoda. That's actually more than baby sized. <laughs> yeah. It is life. It is an easily life sized baby Yoda. Yeah. But I just got, I delved into this world of like, all of these different designers working on really cool patterns. Like they can be like pop culture related, Baby Yoda, or what is his name, his actual name? Oh, I have no idea. He has a name. None. I don't think I've ever heard his actual name said out loud. I um, know it, but it's. I watched three quarters of an episode of Mandalorian and didn't get any of that. I haven't even watched it. All I know is Pedro Pascal and that's. Well, <laughs> if you're going to know something about it, that's the thing that's to know thing, because yeah. Pedro Pascal is glorious. Yes. But anyways, I just, I immersed myself and I actually have my own Instagram account that's just crochet basically. And it's, yeah, all these designers making cool things. You can also do pattern tests for different people, help out their designs and then support them, make your own patterns. And It's a network. Yeah, it is. It's like its whole world. And we also have so many resources through the library for crocheting. Intense. Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was super subtle. It was. We have a lot of them because <laughs> Kristen keeps sending me links. Like, we could get this one now. So I think we are going to market cornered in our four resources on Amigurumi. But yes, yeah. yeah. And it's not just books. We have, with your Flat River Library card, you have free access to Creative Bug, which yes. is amazing. It's really and it's really nice. It has a lot of one-off crafts, and it's really in depth too because they do videos, they do really uh, detailed instructions, they show you what materials to buy. So it's really helpful mm-hmm. in that respect. It's definitely a big step above just YouTube tutorials. But yes. on top of that, they have actual courses mm-hmm. on how to if you've never knit or crochet or painted or draw drew. That I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what the past tense of drawing is. If like a, a bunch of these different forms of creative expression. If you've never done them before and you want to go through a sort of informal course to teach yourself to do it, that's really fantastic that we can have that available. Yeah, please utilize that. We are are happy to be able to provide it and you get it for free with your card. Yes, it's amazing. And there's also what Steph was saying for intro courses, their learning journeys. So there's a collection of like how to do everything from beginning to end. There's Quilting Mm -hmm. 101. There's Crochet 101. Yeah, it's just a really cool resource to have. And if you can't be in person to learn crochet, you can learn from Creative Bug, which in person we're planning on a crochet 101 in Magroomy course in January. And we've actually, we've got a quilting by hand one next week yes, too. Yes, yes, yeah. we've got that too. Yeah. So 
yeah, Kristen is also cornering the market of of teaching people in our community to do all of these textile creative stuff, which is fantastic. Yes. If you have anxiety or are bored and want to do something other than just watch TV or listen to a book or whatever, do something with your hands. So. Yeah, and it's a nice skill to have and it's and it's fun. Um I'm forcing myself right now to make crochet stuff as gifts for family members yes. because it gives me a nice purpose because right? mm-hmm. I I've just been all over the place with my crochet stuff. I've gotten into the pop culture stuff recently. I'm just finishing Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> I'm working on SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes. I've been working on Ken in his <laughs> black leather getup from the movie for a little bit. I made myself a Ninja Turtle costume for Glorious, so I've been yeah. all over. Oh, yeah, <laughs> glorious is one word for it. <laughs> Terrifying is also a, is a word. It's an adjective. <laughs> but I'm trying to actually give myself some direction. But I've done that in the. I did that in college too when I still was just making rectangles. Mm-hmm. I made I made quilts or not. I didn't know how to quilt that. I I crocheted blankets for family members. And this season, I'm trying to make some like amigurumi stuffies for mm-hmm. my for my niece and nephew. So yeah, it's just. And, and it'll be something that they get to hold on to. I still have huge, like, ball gown dresses that my grandmother made for, like, That's dollar amazing. store dolls. That have... The dolls have long since disintegrated because <laughs> dollar store dolls, like, yeah. the hair does not keep up. They turn to <laughs> dust over time. But the but the dresses have held up, and they oh. she made them with eight layers of like crinolines oh and gosh, stuff. She was wow. they were huge. So that's what I thought crochet was when I was a kid was either afghans or gigantic dresses. Yeah. <laughs> and she actually is the one who originally taught me how to crochet when I was like Hello. seven years old. And then I dropped it for a long time until college, and I mm. was a nerd in college doing that my sophomore year in the dorms. And then I dropped it again for a while, and and then Kristen got me back into it again. So thank you, Kristen, for giving me something fun to do. I love to do pattern testing for different designers, and I do it Can over. Can you explain what pattern testing yes, is? I can't. It's a lot of, I don't know if there's other social media, I'm sure, but I have an Instagram. Specifically, they'll have the hashtags like pattern testers needed. And basically what you do is you get some kind of document of the pattern, and you test for errors look at the color changes, the shapes. If you see anything that's a little bit off, like the stitch count is off or anything, you basically are editing for Uh different designers. I found that really fun and I've learned so much different techniques and things. One designer in particular, her name is Katya's Yarn Boys is her Instagram. And she is based, I think, in California. And she does prehistoric, a lot of prehistoric patterns of extinct animals that are amazing and realistic, or you can make them as silly as you want. But I have a pattern test. I'm going to get my phone out to look at how to pronounce the name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a specific kind of animal. Yes, it is a shark, a prehistoric shark. Its name is Stethacanthus. Stethacanthus. We'll put it in the notes and so people will actually be able to look at what yes. it's spelled like. Yeah. yeah, but it's just, it looks like a shark, but only it has like these crazy, like it's an anvil-shaped dorsal fin on the top of the head. And then there's another they're a brush pad, it's called. So it's got like this green, maybe green looking. We don't really know because they're extinct. We can't go take a look at that. Yeah, right. But yeah, it's like this crazy protrusions on the top of its head. So he's very interesting. And there's like different theories for the functions of these parts. I won't go super in depth, but you can research it on your own and we'll have the picture available again. But yeah, he's just really cool. What's fun is you're like an artist too. You're like, hey, I wonder what color this guy looked like right so yeah maybe he had purple glitter eyes like mine does probably yes i'm pretty sure that glitter did not exist in prehistoric well, times luminescence or something yes, yes maybe there was some bioluminescence involved i mean yeah. it was if it was an underwater creature it's entirely possible it's true yeah but yeah so it's fun you just you get you obviously get a pattern to make for free but then you get to spend your time helping out a designer and learning like i said color changes different techniques i recently learned from Katya again that you can crochet backwards when doing rows and uh-huh. it looks very similar it's crazy uh-huh. And yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, that's what I do a lot of my time besides reading. <laughs> but it's productive. Like yeah. you're some, you have something tangible when you finish, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And it is. It strikes me as ironic that the thing that you're working on right now is something that's that is dead. Yeah, it's like literally extinct. Yes. But crochet is not, and yeah. it's it is really huge on the internet yeah. now. Like there, Pinterest is an obvious entry point, but there's mm-hmm. some really nice. I use I've been using Ravelry a lot. That's yes. a really nice resource for like patterns and whatnot and Mm -hmm. you can more or less search on what because people 
create patterns for so many random things. Mm -hmm. So if there's something really specific that you were wanting to make and and you can learn how to do Mm -hmm. crochet 101 on a girl at our library next next month in January. Not, yeah. Next month-ish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's not quite December yet. But yeah, so if that's something you've never tried before, and even if you've never crocheted, you can, you really can start with that instead of with rectangles. It's in a lot of ways almost as easy to do that. So I think it's easier, actually. It's easier for me to see the stitches when you're like working in the round versus rows. So yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, I I feel like I've gotten to be a lot better at it Mm -hmm. since doing that. My, yeah, my, my blankets were ugly I, I just, I actually found a scarf that I made this weekend at my parents and it was just this weird sort of like <laughs> wavy thing that like I couldn't figure out where to end the, oh, it, it looked awful. Oh. It was not good. It's, it's artistic. It was the, it was the heart. And scarves were nice because it only took like 45 minutes to make and you were done. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kristen, for sitting down with me on short notice. And I always love chit-chatting <laughs> crafty stuff with you. It's always fun. Yeah. Thank you very much also to our listeners. And happy Thanksgiving. And have a good holiday weekend.